Hi there. You're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. A couple of reminders before we dive into today's episode. The validation workshop is coming the end of August, and I'll have more information about that within this next week or so. And the online support group for moms will be starting in September, and more information will be coming out on that um, as we get closer to September. If you're interested in either one of these, please feel free to email me at theestrangedheart at gmail.com, and I'm happy to put you on the the list for the email blast that will go out with those announcements. So today's episode is titled Words Matter, What's Language Got to Do With It? And our first, um, well, our two quotes today are, if we change ourselves, we can change the world. And changing ourselves begins with changing our language and methods of communication. And that is by Aran Gandhi from the Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. And the second is language is power, life, and the instrument of culture, the instrument of domination and liberation. And that is by Angela Carter. So words matter. They matter to me a lot. I'm a writer, I'm a poet, and I have words are my jam. They are all over my home um, in the form of quotes and things along those lines. And um, it's, it's really super important to me. And many years ago, I had someone tell me that words did not matter. And this was before my estrangement. And I remember my gut reaction at that point was you are so wrong (laughs) you are so very very wrong yet I never realized how important our language is and how we string those words together and how words are perceived by others And I know that that sounds crazy for someone who is a writer and a poet. You're like, my words affect other people, right? When they read those words. But I think I thought less about the spoken word. And I think that that is where we can get really off track um, in our world and in our relationships with others. I've since learned through therapy that the language I used with my children as they were growing up was especially damaging. And again, I raised my girls from that perspective of being a manager as opposed to a consultant. And if we think about, if you think about any time you've been in the workforce and you've had a manager who let's just say was a micromanager, right? Who would come along, tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, 
how long to do it, those kinds of things. I think for the most part, most of us do not respond to that very well. Yet when we have a manager who is more like a mentor or a consultant that comes to us and says, I trust you to make these decisions. I trust you to do this job. Um, that's why you were hired. And I'm going to be over here at my desk. If you need anything, you know where I'm at. And I think that that is received much better by individual human beings than someone trying to manage and coerce and dictate what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. I see this every day in my work. I am a manager at work and I know that the words that I speak to my employees matter. They matter a lot. And I, while I am human and I do make mistakes, I have learned over the years how to word things in a way that elicit cooperation and openness and a willing willingness to come closer as opposed to moving further away. And that is what I want to talk about here today. So back before my estrangement experience, I was working with one particular therapist and I remember being in session one day and she asked me, you know, I'm, I'm curious as to why you use the word gutted so much. And I remember looking at her like, what on earth is she talking about? I don't use that word. And I said that to her. I was like, what? I don't use that word. She said, in today's session alone, you've used that word three different times to describe such and such. And it was the way I was describing how I felt about this person or event in my life. And um, I, I did not recognize that. And so she asked me, she was like, you know, gutted is a pretty, that's a pretty strong word. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> it is. And yeah, that's how I felt. And wow, do I really use that word a lot? And why would I feel gutted as opposed to hurt or, you know, disrespected or whatever the case may be? So that started the wheels turning for me. And then I remember discussing in, in session one day with my therapist about, you know, having worked as a police officer and we really use body language as um, clues to how a person's feeling, what a person's doing, are they telling me the truth, are they not telling me the truth, things like that. And then I thought, well, I, I, words can be clues as well, right? So I started to become curious about it, although again, this was prior, this was pre my estrangement experience. And um, 
I started noticing the words that other people were using, even though what my therapist had said was about my choice of words, I, I was not really paying a lot of attention to the words that I was using until after my girls estranged from me. And that's when I started really paying attention to things that other people were saying and things I was saying. And I, it, it was shocking to me at how much I use particular words um, and how much other people use particular words. And I started getting really curious about it. So I started asking people the same thing, you know, wow, you use such, such a word all the time. Where's that come from? What, you know, just kind of curious. And it got them to thinking. And so I use that today when I'm working with estranged moms and estranged adult children. Um, I often hear them say and use very strong language um, to describe their emotions and feelings. And it's something that they're not necessarily always aware of. And so when I say to them what my therapist said to me in that, I'm curious as to why you use such a such a word so often when you describe your interaction with your estranged adult child or your interaction with your mom, things like that. And it really gets the wheels turning. When we utilize really strong words... I think we're really tapping into this, this subconscious inner work, inner, inner place that we exist where all of our pain and our sorrow and grief lies. And I think that that's coloring how we utilize words. And unbeknownst to us, especially as we're raising our children or as, you know, when we are children... I mean, children don't necessarily have the cognitive ability to recognize what the use of their language is doing in their world, but we as adults do. And I do feel like we create our reality by the use of our words. Um, and an example of that could be, you hear me often refer to the times that my daughters and I were estranged from one another as my estrangement experience as opposed to when I was estranged or during, you know, my estrangement. It's, it's very subtle, but the nuance there is I'm describing an experience versus I'm describing myself. So when I say that, you know, during my estrangement experience, I'm telling you that this was an experience that I had. I'm not telling you that this is who I am. And I find that for me, that became very liberating when I could say that this was an experience versus this is who I am. Because I found that when I used language, this is who I am, it left me more often than not in victimhood. And I really placing my identity of who I am as a person 
as a, in, and then as a victim. And while I recognize that we have to have labels and things to describe people, although I also question that, um, I think that sometimes, many times, not sometimes, but many times those labels separate us instead of bringing us closer together. But that being said, um, you know, it's, it's important, it is important the words that we use and how we talk to our children. And I talk often again about being in the role of manager or being in the role as a consultant with our children. Um, and the language of a manager is very different than the language of a consultant. So saying to our children, you know, I'm curious as to um, your decision to move three cities over from where you work. Can you help me to understand how you came to that decision for you versus you did what? You moved three cities away from where you work? Do you not recognize that commute's going to be forever? It's going to take time away from your family. Have you looked at gas prices lately? Like, what is going on here? <clears throat> and if you listen to what I just said, there, those two things I just said describe the same scenario, but were said in two very different ways. And that's what I'm talking about, the importance of language. The, 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 the first example I gave tends to be less triggering for people, um, invites them to be curious, and helps them to open the door to want to move closer to us instead of backing away and distant, further distancing themselves from us. The second one is, <clears throat> excuse me, generally leaves people feeling like they need to defend themselves, that we're judging them, and so therefore they have to defend themselves and want they want to close doors and move further away from us. So how we talk to ourselves is important and how we talk to others is important. The words that we're using and how we string those words together are very, very, very important. Um, we, In my online support group, one of the things that I try to encourage the moms there to do is to not use the word should, right? In their responses to a post that someone may make, um, it's important to say it was my, it has been my experience that this worked or that didn't work versus I think you should do this or not do that. See if you can feel the difference in those two things, right? And how they are received. Do you want to have further discussion with someone based on that? Or do you want to move further away from them and shut them down and not have, have a discussion about it? So not only are our words important, but also the delivery and tone mean everything. Again, if we can come across with curiosity from a true sense of curiosity instead of a place of judgment, it really opens doors. 
And that tone means everything, right? So does your body language. So if you happen to be in the physical presence of your adult child or your parent and you're, you know, you have your hands on your hip and you're pointing the finger and you've got this scowl look on your face, that's going to be received one way versus standing tall with your arms at your side and saying with a very, I'm really curious look on your face. I'm curious about how you came to that decision and what part of that decision really feels good to you. Right? And maybe it doesn't feel good to them, but they don't realize that until you've, you've asked them that. Versus, wow, I just cannot believe that you've made such a decision. This is just crazy. Have you seen gas prices lately? Like you're really going to move three cities away from where you work and have that commute? And that makes me want to move away and not have that discussion. It makes me feel like you're judging my choices. And quite frankly, my choices are my just that. They're my choices that are not affecting you, right? Now, if you're going to someone and asking for gas money because you've moved three cities away from where you're going, going to be working, that's a different matter, right? Because that is affecting them. But if it's not affecting you, if your child's decision is not affecting you, have a sense of curiosity about that, right? I would even go so far as to say, have a sense of curiosity, even if it is affecting you. Because having that, I mean, you, you open yourself up to learning more about someone. You allow the door to open for another person to have curiosity instead of shutting the door down and saying, I don't want to talk to you and then becoming incessant about sticking by their decision, regardless of how great or not so great it is. So how we deliver it, our tone says everything. There is something very different about saying, I cannot have you in my life right now because I really need to work on myself versus I cannot have you in my life right now because I have to work on myself. Those are two, the exact same words delivered two very different ways. So think about how you're delivering things, right? Even, even if you're not yelling, but your, your tone has that edge to it, just that little edge. And I'm sure that somewhere along the way in your lifetime, someone has probably said something to you about that. If you're anything like me, people, you know, people tell me have, you know, all my life that I had this scowl on my face until probably over the last four or five years that I no longer have that scowl. But people told me that all my life. I just didn't want to face it. Right. So I made up, but it was their problem, their excuse, their, their issue, those kinds of things. So how, what we say matters, right? How we say it matters. 
Our body language while we're saying things matter. Even if you're on the phone and you're talking to someone, they can hear. Have I, I know you've heard, you've been on the phone probably with like people from customer service with a particular company. And you can hear on the phone those people who are happy, joyful, want to help you versus those that are there to simply get a paycheck that are counting down the hours until they get to go home and that you are just a pain in their rear end because you called, right? People resonate with this podcast because of how I deliver and how I talk and how I deliver words and how I talk on this podcast. People tell me you, re- you get my pain because that comes across in the things that I say and the tone that I deliver things, the way that I say things. So our language is super important when we're working with and, and working through our estrangement experience. If we are constantly talking about our children who are ridiculous and selfish and narcissistic and this, that, and the other thing, that's how we are going to view them. And viewing other people from that perspective, and the same thing goes for adult, estranged adult children and their parents. If that's how you talk about your parents and that's how you view them, that is going to be how you view them. It's not, it's generally, it, that generally doesn't change until we change our language, right? So in my online support group, I have, I have a rule um, that I have to remind moms of all the time. And it is the rule that so many of them have, have struggles with. And it's something I just don't allow in my group. And I, and I will read it to you. Rule number two, name calling, diagnosing, harsh, bitter, snarky, derogatory, or cruel criticisms of our estranged children or other members or the partners of our estranged children is not permitted. Because I want moms to begin to look deeper. I want moms to look deeper than just this surface level label that we've just, you know, just arbitrarily slapped on something. I don't believe that children are selfish. I don't, I just don't believe that. I believe they are hurting. And I think it's better to label them as hurting so we can get to maybe what's lying beneath that hurt to try to heal the pains versus just arbitrarily smacking on the, you know, slapping on the, you know, they're a narcissist or they're selfish or they're, 
entitled little pains in the asses. That's not what they are. And the same thing with parents for estranged adult children. I don't believe that parents wake up and say, I'm going to be a narcissist today. I don't believe that parents wake up and say, I'm going to be selfish today. I don't believe that. I believe that behaviors cover up pain. And so our language around that is super important. How we are choosing language, the words we are choosing to describe ourselves and others is so, so important. And it creates our reality. I mean, if you say it long enough and repeat it enough, eventually that does become our reality. And I want parents and children to be, to feel self-empowered and to know their inherent goodness. And it's really hard It's really hard to find that inherent goodness when it's shoved under cruel and derogatory labels. It's really hard. And I know I did that to my girls growing up. And I'll always regret that. Because it created their reality for them in the form of low self-esteem and things like that instead of helping them to feel empowered and the same thing happened to me as a, as a child when I was growing up so I get it and it doesn't feel good to know that some other people call us names and give us labels that are describing our behaviors that are desperately trying to cover up our pain to keep us from feeling so, so much pain. So I'm asking you to consider becoming curious about the words that you use on a daily basis. How do you describe yourself? How do you describe others? What words are you using? How are you delivering them? What is the tone that you're using? And you can practice this. You don't have to, if you're estranged from your your loved one, you don't have to, you know, you can't, you don't have to say, I can't, I can't change this because I'm not in contact with them. You can change because I am, I am here to tell you that If you are talking about your children or your parents in one particular way or the other, you're doing the exact same thing when you're talking with other people you're in relationship with. So you can practice with your spouse, with your other child, your other parent, your, you know, siblings, people you work with, your friends, people that you interact with. And... I invite you to get curious about what other people, the language other people are using. How are they describing things? What words do they use often? 
what words, striking words that are really like forceful or powerful or big and strong words that leave you thinking, wow, I wonder why they would use that word to describe that. Again, I invite you to entertain curiosity about words and the language and how they're how they are utilized, how they are strung together, and then the labels that we assign to others. I think you will find it very, very enlightening and interesting. And maybe from that perspective, you can begin becoming more self-aware of the language that you're using and then working on changing that to be, to be an experience that others can have that will help open the doors for them to come closer to you rather than wanting to move away from you. So words matter. Your language matters. And I don't mean cursing and that kind of thing. I mean the way that you string words together, the descriptors that you use, the labels that you use, they matter. And they matter in your estrangement experience. Probably much more so than you ever, ever realized. So this brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together you feel was well spent and that you were able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us on social media, sharing this podcast with others, or leaving a positive review. You can follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out via email to theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Again, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. And as a side note, I, I would love to be able to have more interviews with moms and estranged adult children. Parents that listen to this podcast, estranged children that listen to this podcast, um, really would like to hear from the other party, right? And not necessarily from their own family, but if you're an estranged adult child, I know that you guys really want to hear more from the perspective of the parent. And I know the parent wants to hear more about the perspective of the estranged adult child. So if you're willing to come on the show, please let me know. Um, and again, you, you yourself don't have to be on the show. If you would just want me to share your story, um, you can remain anonymous. Um, but I, I think it would be super helpful. And I know that it's something that everyone talks to me about wanting more of. So I welcome your stories. So that's all for today. Until next time.